الجزيرة بودكاست The Democratic Republic of Congo has expelled the Rwandan ambassador. It accuses Kigali of supporting rebels in the east. Fighting has displaced thousands of people. So why has it been difficult to end the conflict? Is it time for a new approach? I'm Sahil Rahman, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Well, let's bring in our guests in the Rwandan capital, Kigali, as Gatete Nerengabo, a lawyer and political analyst. In London, Okito Tongomo, president of the Congolese exiled government. And in Tilburg, in the Netherlands, is Felix Dahinda, a researcher on conflict, peace and justice in Africa's Great Lakes region. A warm welcome to all of my guests. Uh, can I come first to you, Felix, in Tilburg, in the Netherlands, to get a neutral view? What we've seen are demonstrations against Rwanda by people in Congo's city of Goma. I mean, why are these demonstrations any different from those before them? I'm not quite sure whether I would say that they are very different. You have quite a lot of anti-Rwanda sentiments in Eastern DRC, in Goma particularly, which is very close, but also in other cities in Eastern DRC. Uh, we remember already some we had in early June. Um, so for the last couple of years, we had quite a number of strong demonstrations. Uh, all of those were either linked to armed kind of activities going on, we have had uh, activities uh, opposing uh, the M23 to the Congolese government with allegations, of course, of uh, Rwanda supporting M23. So in the past as well, so talking about, for example, in 2012, mm. 13. So these are not very different. I guess I, I look at this rather as another horrific cycle of violence with, of course, uh, uh, devastating con- consequences for okay. the civilian population. Well, let's go to London then and to Okito Tongomo. I mean, if it is such another cycle of violence, uh, Mr Tongomo, how bad is the situation in the east of Congo to the people that you're talking to there right now? Thank you so much, Robert. I think it is a very necessary case for us to mention. It's a very tragic, difficult time for us Congolese people. We've been so kind and welcome foreigner in our country. The Rwandese, we welcome them, and we've got a massive and a big majority of Rwandese citizens who are really are willing to go back to Rwanda. They live in the Congo, where they find a peaceful place to stay. We welcome generation of them. And uh, what is happening now, the Rwandese government, especially Paul Kagame, is using the British influence, the Commonwealth influence, because a member of the British army. Now, they train their people in the United Kingdom. They are using those people now to kill ordinary citizens in Congo. Speaking now, more than 40,000 people have deplaced from the house. They're going to never country or some people live in the forest at the moment. Young people can't go to school. We see criminal movement growing up by a small group of people who call themselves M23. The Rwandese government, fully supported by Paul Kagame and the Rwandese army, they've been in the center of the court killing ordinary Congolese people. And I'm very thanks for this message this afternoon. I believe that British people and the people around the globe will know that Rwanda is okay. using the influence and the power given by British for them to be member of the Commonwealth to kill civilians. And the weak country has got much stable political movement at the moment, okay, which Mr. is my country. Tongo, but let, me, let me just stop you there and allow our, our guest in Kigali, uh, Gatete Naringabo, to come in there. You've heard what our guest uh, in London has said, that uh, this is all inspired and supported by the British, and it's all Paul Kagame's fault. How do you respond? Right, so that is speculation. I, want, I would rather not respond to that. 
speculation. And this type of rhetoric is what is fueling these uh, demonstrations that you, that you mentioned, you allude to earlier. Uh, and also when this gentleman says that the DRC was welcoming to Rwandan refugees, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's being disingenuous. The M23 are not Rwandans and nobody welcomed them. They, they are Congolese. They live on their ancestral land in the DRC. They live on this land for more than four centuries and they are older than Congo itself as a country. This M23 group, they are not Rwandans. They may speak Kenya Rwanda, they may look like Rwandans, but when the borders were being divided in 1885, they suddenly found themselves as part of the Congolese country. They are not Rwandans. They speak in Rwanda, they may look Rwandan, but they are Congolese. Now, this amalgam of saying that we welcome refugees, these people were there much, much earlier. They were as early as any other indigenous community in, the, in that Eastern part of the DRC. And they're fighting today because, they, because their, their community has struggled to be accepted okay. by the likes of my colleagues who's speaking now and calling them refugees. That's why their families have fled and they have lived in refugee camps in Rwanda and Uganda for three decades now. Three decades of demanding to return home, demands that have fell on deaf ears until now they were compelled to take up arms to fight so they can compel the government of the DRC to negotiate and allow their communities that have been languishing in refugee camps to return home. Okay, Mr. Nerengabo, I'm going to go back to um, uh, Felix Nahinda in uh, Tilburg because obviously uh, the conversation and what's going on is multi-layered. It's about ethnicity, it's about geography, it's about language and it's about culture, certainly in this part of the world. And we will talk about that a little bit later in the programme. Let me just bring it up to speed in terms of the 2009 peace deal that was reached, that failed in 2012. What do you think the underlying issues there as to why the groups could find a peace deal, uh, Mr Nahinda, but then it all sort of fell apart? Why? I mean, much of it, if I was to pick one word, in terms of why we keep having a cycle of violence and uh, and conflict repeating in DRC, I would really more talk about one single word being enforcement. Much of it comes related to enforcement, which has always been lacking. You have had quite very many uh, intra-Congolese dialogues between the government and armed groups. Many armed groups, by the way, keeps always being repeating. Last week, uh, the UN did issue a report of human rights violations in all of its four eastern provinces, Ituri, North Kivu, South Kivu, and Tanganyika. And it's very important always to keep that in mind that the violators of human rights are very much multiple. In fact, M23 was among the, the lowest, according to that UN report, which doesn't justify anything, but it's a very important point to keep in mind. So, but much of it really, whether we are talking about domestic issues. The government has had uh, meetings in Goma, in Nairobi, in Addis Ababa with armed groups. There were arguments uh, made, but enforcing them either were enforced partially or never enforced at all. That's one thing. And the second is really the capabilities of enforcing it. 
part lie and the will, political will to enforce them. And part of the blame sometimes tend to be to quite a multiplicity of actors. Of course, the troubles are in the Congo and Congo bears the government, any government in place in Congo bears the responsibility to protect citizens and provide for the basic needs. But there are being the, the, the issues of cooperation around the global community, international community mm. under the agency of the UN, but also regional countries. Uh, depending on the politics of moment, of the moment, there have always been weaknesses in enforcing any given arguments uh, agreed. And because of that, then you tend to get always renewed violence, renewed belligerency by diverse armed groups with diverse political agendas. Okay. Uh, many of the issues have always remained constant over the last three decades, more or less. Uh, uh, can I bring in Akito uh, here? Obviously, you know, the, um, the, the DRC's government ordered the R Rwandan ambassador uh, to leave. Rwanda uh, is stated as saying that they regret it. I mean, do they really regret it? Is there, is there any room for manoeuvre in terms of talking? Or are reports like this that are authored by the UN a sticking point in any starting point for a conversation? I think, Robert, this is a very crucial point. We're talking now, my people in the east of my country, they've been a victim of a number of atrocities. And uh, what I heard from... Uh, from Rwanda is a very shame that somebody tried to manipulate the story in international media by fabricating things that are not correct. The historically, the Congo, when you had independence, we had more than 352 tribes, they're all a well organized tribe. We welcome foreigners from Rwanda. Rwanda has been a very unstable country for years, and he cannot deny that. We have a group of Rwandese who still don't want to go back till now because of Paul Kagame still being a tyrant regime for them. People who call themselves Democratic Forces for Liberation of Rwandans. These are the Hutu group. They are not willing to go back. And the Congos welcome them. We have them in the country. And this is a story where Rwanda has been manipulating the international community, like I heard from somebody calling himself from law, a lawyer from Rwanda who's manipulating the story. It's a very, very serious case here. We're talking well, about people's lives. serious allegation. Very serious allegation. They are headed from somebody from Kigali, speaking international. This is Al Jazeera. A million people are listening. Well, indeed, and, and of course, you know, you have your point of view, sir. So does our guest in, in well, Rwanda. Let, let, me, let, let me bring in, let me bring in, uh, get, uh, let me bring in, uh, get Tete. Let me bring in, let's bring on our Rwandan guest. Finish my point. Don't interrupt me. I didn't interrupt you. I'm sorry. It's a very serious comment you made in international television about misleading people with statement, you know, you don't have evidence of that. Okay? You're going to go back to the history. We welcome around these people as a refugee. Your country has been a stable nation for years. You're killing yourself. We've got history of genocide in your country. We see people not like each other. You're hating each other. And the Congo, we welcome you. We accepted you. That's the place you live as a safe haven. Now, you are using this excuses by killing Congolese people in your return because you have support from the United Kingdom. UK has been in the centre of providing enough support, including arm and a different training to your army groups. And you're using this as an influence to Mr. Tungoma, you actually mentioned the, 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 the British angle before. So let, let's let's bring in let's bring in our, our, our guest from Kigali. Uh, no, no, you've you've had you've had enough of that say for the moment. I want to bring in uh, Nuringabo here uh, to actually respond to what Mr. Tungomo said. Um, that you know you've been the, the Rwanda has been disingenuous. I mean, Paul Kagame has tweeted on Monday that he's wants to hold dis uh, discussions with the UN Security uh, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres. He too wants to discuss 
the ongoing uh, uh, rise in tensions and wants to de-escalate tensions, he says. What should we read then into this conversation between the Secretary-General and the President in Kigali? Many points have been said. One of them, uh, as you can see, my colleague is, is trying to sanitize a group called, he called Force of Rwanda Liberation FDLR. Now, it is true this FDLR is a group in Congo, and indeed, we've been pointing out that the DRC government, the DRC army, is working alongside this group. And as you can see here from my colleague, they believe this is a legitimate group. Now, this legitimate group that he, this group that is trying to make legitimate is on the UN list as a terror organization, is on the everyone list. Some of its leaders are being tried in international courts. So this is actually a group of people, remnants of people who committed genocide in Rwanda, were defeated, fled to DRC, and continued to attack Tutsi communities in DRC. And from my colleague's statement, indeed, they, he's, he's, they are willing to continue to working with them. And this is the primary uh, quarrel that Rwanda has with the DRC. Using the support of the DRC, this group shells bombs on Rwandan territory. So Rwanda keeps asking the DRC to stop collaborating with FDLR, which is internationally recognized as a terror genocidal organization. Okay. It's I, not me. I, I, I can see our, our guest in London. Come in. You are telling Congo what to do. You have the audacity to say this, Mr. Katende. That's a very serious allegation. You, Rwanda, have to tell Congo what to do with people who are seeking protection in our country. You speak this an international community. You speak to a lawyer. Can you see how you people breaching the rule? You have the density, even in international community, to minimize the value of another nation by it imposing them what you want them to do. That's a serious allegation. Those people don't want to come back to your country because you're targeting them. You're killing them. They are majority. And the Rwanda has a track record of killing those people, Mutu, including the Tutsi. I was in school with many Rwandese people, including those people you kill, you're calling yourself Tutsi. We welcome you. We accepted you. In outcome, this is what you've got to do for our people. How many years Congolese people have to be killed okay. because we are helping you? You've been given enough support from the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. Now, you're minimizing this value. The value of Commonwealth is not to have a country that are killing other people. And we are calling Commonwealth and including British people to listen to this. They are supporting the war criminal country in the Pokagami, including yourself, Katende. You don't see the value of protecting human rights. These Congolese people deserve a better life, and our nation have to live in harmony in our border. You can't use these excuses to kill Congolese. You fabricated okay, M23. Let, 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 no, let me just bring in Felix. Let me just bring in Felix. Let me just bring in Felix. You have a track record. Let me just bring in Felix Dehinder here in uh, Tilburg. Uh, obviously, you're hearing both sides, uh, Felix, and, and it's very polarized. Uh, each side, whether they are pro-Congo or, or pro-Rwanda have their own point of view. It's an endless cycle of violence that the media, that the UN has tried to mediate. How difficult is this position now if the, if the international community are not listening, are, are not coming to um, the aid of the very civilians that are actually the victims in all of this on those border areas? It's a, it is very difficult. Uh, keep in mind, of course, it's always very difficult to compartmentalize the discussions about security in Eastern DRC. Keep in mind that the last conversation probably you had on this channel were around demonstrations against the UN presence in the DRC. You have quite one of the biggest UN presence, globally speaking, in Eastern DRC, in the DRC in general. 
but it has been quite very difficult to, to, to find a solution because the issues are multi-layered and many issues require quite some kind of large investment by diverse actors at different levels to tackle the issue. I keep always saying that there is a need for really a comprehensive ways of looking at different things. Keep in mind the fact that we are talking about insecurity in North Kivu today, but that part of the country, based again on the report from the UN, the human rights body that I was quoting at the beginning of this conversation, lists violations by several dozens of armed groups, which are still very much active. So disarming all of those armed groups, including M23, of course, should be a priority for any actor, including uh, the Congolese state, of course, but also partners, global or regional or otherwise. Uh, there have been a Luanda kind of roadmap for peace. There have been a Nairobi communicate which oversees a military and political solution. All of those, if they were to be taken seriously, would be beginnings of, of solutions at least. But you'll never have a solution when you address one single issue. There are issues that have been lingering around for the last 30 plus years that needs to be addressed at the local level, belonging, identity, land-related sure. issues and belonging. But also, yeah, there are regional issues around. As we are speaking, of course, we are talking about Rwanda DRC, but keep in mind that as we're speaking, there are Burundian forces in the whole plateau of South Kivu operating with the invitation of the Congolese government and Ugandan forces operating against ADA. Okay. All of these are, are factors that you need to keep in mind in looking at the solution, how that can be even more comprehensive in bringing back lasting peace that more or less uh, builds peace for all communities involved, sure. including those are more or less rejected. Let me just bring in Mr. Otongo. There are many elements and many issues to bring. Let's just, let's just talk about the demonstrations we've seen over the weekend um, and about the approaches to international mediation. Let's just take this conversation in, in, in a different direction as well that, uh, as you say, you're not very happy with the British. The French uh, in the region have also left in parts of Mali and Chad because of uh, their relationships with uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Um, we saw in the demonstrations at the weekend the call for Russia to get involved by some members of the public that were on the street there, Mr Tongomo. If you're not happy with Western powers and you're not happy with the UN, is there a role for Russia? I think uh, that's not what I think. Uh, people in Congo, they have got no choice at the moment. They're looking away forward. But I can tell you how to finish this war. It's going to be two minutes. If, for example, Arsenal is going to stop promoting Rwanda and the British is going to stop supporting Rwanda, giving them the arms and also supporting them as a member of Commonwealth, that'll be the end of the war. We don't need Russia. It's two minutes. Okay. And I'm calling British people to listen to this. A million people have been killed because they are supporting Rwanda. That's all. And I'm very sorry I have to finish this, Robert. When Mr. Katende mentioned, we have to recognize this. There are more than 100 different type of reports confirming that Rwanda has been in the center of killing Congolese and also supporting M23. It's a Rwandese army groups, and there's evidence for that. He's a lawyer. I believe he cannot challenge that report. If he never come across that, I'll be more than happy to send them to him. Mr. And also, we have to make it clear for the stability and the future strategy on the peace region and region. Our president, Mr. Kapchisekedi, has tried his best to find a way, a peaceful way to find a way forward for this war. It has never been a solution because Rwanda is still using a British influence. OK, and the then British let, me give the, let me give the final British word then to Mr. Nerengabo in Kigali. Let me, let me give the last word to Mr. Nerengabo. Mr. Uh, Tongobo, you've had your say. I'm bringing in Mr. Nerengabo. Please, for your say. 
bringing in Mr. Narangabo for his say in Kigali. You know, it's a very heated subject. But I want to ask you whether international mediation is required to try and solve the problems between the two countries, between uh, Kigali and Kinshasa, because obviously the two capitals need to start talking to each other, don't they? Regardless of what's going on, it's obviously very heated. It's obviously displacing thousands of people in the region. And the two governments need to talk to each other, don't they, face to face? Mr. Moderator, let's, uh, the, the, no, no, no country, a, a problem between two countries or a problem with, with, within countries is not solved by foreign uh, uh, interference. We have a MONUSCO there, which is made of several uh, countries. They haven't solved the problem. And also, this gentleman is speculating too much about British, Britain, France, UN, and so on. But the problems of the DRC and the solutions of DRC are within the DRC. The, the, the demands are simple. M23 means, means March 23rd, 2009. It's an agreement that says all Congolese who speak in Rwanda who are in refugee camps in Uganda and Rwanda must return home peacefully. All soldiers of M23 must demobilize and be integrated in the Congolese army and others demobilized. Community, Rwanda, Rwanda speaking communities that are actually Congolese, full Congolese citizens must be accepted and not discriminated against. There has been lack of political will. The DRC has been scapegoating Rwanda, and I hear Tongoma has pushed the envelope to scapegoating okay. the UK and, and everybody. Okay. But the real issue in the DRC is that, remember, what my colleague Felix was trying to say is the following. When you see reports of human rights violation in the DRC, M23, and I want this to, to emphasize this, M23 is the least violent, the most violent group in DRC today is the Congolese army, followed by FDLR, which is a group made of genocide perpetrators that okay. are working hand in hand with the Congolese army. Now, if the day until the Congolese government accepts that you could speak in Rwanda, look Rwandan, and actually be Congolese, because the border, when it was being divided, it was done arbitrarily without considering where people come from, until the DRC understands that, they will have conflict. And then they will continue to scapegoat Rwanda and obviously scapegoating the UK and scapegoating the US and the and, UN and so and on. There, and there, Mr. Nerengabo, we do have to leave it because obviously this is a conversation that is going to go on for a very long time. We can't solve it in half an hour, but I do appreciate all of my guests uh, for joining us from Kigali, London and Tilburg. Thank you to Gatete Nerengabo, Okitu Tongomo and Felix Dahinda. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Calvin Ang, Nihad Alabedi, Fungi Nguyen and Jimmy Gettahan. Studio sound was by Yara Atala and the programme was edited by Manish Matai, Ling Nguyen and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Wednesday. Hello, I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. In season four, we carry on exploring the lives of history's most notable figures, from Rosa Parks to Pol Pot. We meet the people who changed the way we think about our world and those who left it marked by their infamy. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts.